how you guys doing tonight? Well, we're back for another session of the Armchair Theologian. You'll notice that I'm outside, and I am uh, in the outdoor armchair as we are preparing for tonight's uh, video. Uh, we're going to be continuing in our study on First Peter as we look at uh, the next, uh, sort of the next wave, if you will. In fact, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we're in chapter 3, and we're just going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. Um, and again, we're talking about doing an inductive Bible study. And so an inductive Bible study, as we said many times, there's uh, three phases. Some would say four, but I'm pretty content with three. The first phase is simply just what does it say? Um, second phase is, um, you know, how, what is, what's the deeper meanings? Is, let's investigate. Let's let's go a little um, deeper into the word. Let's look at um, words that repeat. Let's look at prominent passages, things that are um, that stand out to you. Um, let's look at passages in the text where uh, the author is quoting from another place in Scripture and and compare those um, those messages together. Um, and then the final phase would be um, the application phase. You know, how can I apply what the apostle or the writer of the particular book that I am doing this study on um, can, is uh, is meaning for me to be able to uh, to use this in a practical way. We know that all Scripture has uh, spiritual or practical historical components, um, and so looking at all those and trying to uh, find the way forward is the key. Um, Peter is a, is a really good book to do this because, uh, for the most part, Peter is really practical, down-to-earth. Um, he's a no-nonsense kind of apostle. Um, he didn't uh, spend a lot of time in, in deep, 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 deep theology like uh, sometimes Paul does. Um, so he really gets in this. I like to call it, in, as I use uh, the description in a couple of the other um, books in the New Testament, sort of a bare-knuckle approach. Um, I've always felt like Peter was an every-man's apostle. He, he just was this common... Um, and when I say common, I don't mean common, but you know what I mean. Just a, an average, everyday uh, um, individual who loved Jesus with all his heart and soul. And he studied, he prepared, and he put forth some really good things. So in light of that, um, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to uh, the book of First Peter. And we will um, just begin reading uh, in the first verse. So, again, First Peter, looking at chapter 3, uh, starting in the first verse. And I'm just going to read um, a couple verses in the, in the beginning, and then we're going to jump down to the area that we're going to be focusing on in our discussion. Um, the beginning, it says, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a, without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden part, a person of the heart, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, former times, in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children, if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. And then Peter talks a little bit about the husbands um, in one verse. He just simply says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with some weak, someone weaker, 
since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. And then the final passage that we're going to be looking at uh, today will be verses 8, 9, and 10. Well, actually, 8 and 9. Uh, to sum up, all of you will be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you were called for every purpose that you might inherit a blessing. And then verses 10 through 12 is just a, um, a quote from the book of Psalms, which we'll get to um, in a few minutes. So that being said, as you can see, Peter is, is continuing his discussion. Now, last week we didn't go into the final, pay, uh, uh, the final part of the, um, of the last chapter. That was something that I really wanted you guys to do on your own. And if you had read that, you would have seen that Paul had a lot of discussions about uh, what, how slaves and individuals should react. Now, this passage, and I, I'm just going to just cursorily, cursorily, I'm just going to briefly go over um, some of the basics in the first few verses because I, I don't want to uh, spend too much time on the beginning part. Paul is concentrating on the household relationships um, of slaves and wives and husbands and masters. Now, he doesn't speak a lot about masters, doesn't speak a lot about husbands, but he focuses, he focuses his attention on the what he calls the weaker vessels in one version. He does this for a reason, um, because the people that he's speaking to primarily are um, are believers that are that are going through this kind of persecution. They're the kinds of uh, folks that are floating around that cultural circle where you know, they don't have a lot of power in their lives. And as as fact as it was in that day and age, um, the slaves and wives um, didn't have a lot of rights of their own. They lived under the rule of their masters and husbands. And so Peter was encouraging them in this role as uh, as, as somebody that is subservient in, in obedience or should be in obedience um, in their lives. He wanted to speak to them. And he speaks to the wives to submit. Um, and he wants uh, the slaves to do the same thing because he knows that the goal of this submission, especially in dealing with um, the wives of unbelievers, is that the very likely in instance where um, the wife and her attitude towards her unbelieving husband um, will eventually lead to his salvation. And I find that interesting that um, when it comes to the behavior um, of somebody that's in a role of somebody that's subservient, um, it's always in light of bringing the gospel out. And so, um, although Peter, Paul doesn't talk about this much in his gospels uh, or his 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 letters, he Peter does want uh, this brought out as a main goal. And our goal is to see uh, folks come to know Christ as our Savior. Now, if you happen to be married to a believer, praise the Lord. But if you're not, and many people aren't, um, Peter is talking to you. And because Peter is talking to you, he wants you as, he, as, the, un, as the believing spouse um, to be able to be Christ in form and action to the individual that you care deeply for. So um, that being said, we want to move on to the next section, which I think is, is a very powerful section. Um, and that is uh, the talking talk about the unity, the unity of the church, the unity of the community. Again, Peter is trying to bring out information that will be helpful to those that want uh, to 
to live a peaceful life in in quiet unity. And so that's really where um, Peter's focus is on the next part of this. And you'll see that very clearly. In verse 8, he says, uh, to sum up, and so he's getting to the end of his discussion. He's coming to the point where he's about to say, okay, that's it. And you know when preachers say in conclusion, that means, yeah, I get another 20 minutes, right? And so that's about the case here with Peter um, because he's finishing up this chapter and he's still got one more to go. Um, so, uh, but he says to sum up. And then he gives uh, what we call, the, now this is a theological term, he calls it a, a chiasm or a chiastic um, uh, version. A chiasm is just simply um, a form of writing, and so usually what it is is you got uh, you got an A B C, and then a B A, and so um, and that's how they break it up. And you see that here. He says harmonious. That would be A. Sympathetic B. Brotherly. Brotherly love. Um, that would be a C. And then you have kind-hearted, which is like a B. Kind-hearted and sympathetic are very close. And then humble and harmonious um, go together as well. And so um, Peter is trying to bring a, a chiastic um, uh, form um, to this so that um, it will be easy to remember and to memorize because he's giving a command. He's saying, sum up, all of you will be harmonious. He's actually giving a command. And um, it's interesting how he does the commands. Because um, Peter is not throwing it out there like, um, you know, uh, in, a, in an overt command. Uh, when he throws the command out there, he doesn't use the, the typical imperatives. Um, the imperatives are implied. And so um, you see that. He says, so he's talking about that finality. He says, finally, to sum up, um, you will be harmonious. Um, the word there is homophones or homophrons. Um, and it's a very common word that you see in the New Testament. Um, it's used in Romans in uh, Romans 15, Corinthians 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians 13, Philippians uh, 2, uh, 1, um, and Philipp or Philippians 2, the first and second verse, and then Philippians 4, verse 2. I know that's a lot of verses I threw at you, um, but I encourage you, if you have to, again, rewind, stop, rewind, and uh, listen to those verses again. Um, the word simply means of one mind. He says, I want you to be of one mind. Um, and then he moves on to sort of describe that in a in a chiastic way, as he everything sort of builds on that. But the essence, this the the, the center, the the thing that the chiasm sort of revolves around is the word um, uh, adelphoi or philadelphoi, which means that that phil that that brotherly love, the idea that we're going to have that kind of a brotherly connection. And that's sort of what, what the, the entire chiasm sort of pivots around. That's that linchpin. Um, and so he's expecting the believers to have that sympathetic um, brotherly love as he is encouraging that, that idea of one mind. Um, he also talks about uh, being sympathetic to the needs of others, the joys, the sorrows, the, the ups, the downs. Um, he's asking the brothers and, and the believers to be filled with compassion. The idea that we're going to be experiencing the pain um, of, our, of our brothers and sisters, maybe not physically, but at least emotionally, as we can, with empathy uh, and compassion, uh, deal with those that are needed. It's, it's a, very, uh, uh, a very New Testament concept. Um, it was, uh, it's all through the New Testament. Paul talks about it in Ephesians. Um, the life is, uh, the life, the life of a Christian ought to be marked with deep levels of compassion. Um, Paul talks about it 
in 2 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 7, um, Philippians 1, Philippians 2, um, Colossians 3, Philemon verse 7, 12, and 20. Uh, John talks about it in, in his first epistle, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. So this is a, a really powerful um, concept, and it's one that I find in many Christians. It's one of the areas that they really need the most, the idea of, of compassion and mercy. Um, the final thing that he talks about in that passage is humility. Um, it's a pretty uh, pretty powerful word. Um, it's a word that's found, again, throughout the, the New Testament. It's a very much a Christian concept because humility was, um, was not considered uh, a good thing in the Greek and Roman worlds. Um, in fact, humility was something to be, uh, to run away from. It was scorned. And uh, it was not something that was, um, was, was striven for. It wasn't of value. But for the Christian, it was an utmost imperative. Um, the idea of living a moral life, it is, it is, it's implicit that you have to do it through humility. And so Paul brings this up, but it's not the only place that we find it in the New Testament. Acts chapter 20, Philippians chapter 2, Romans chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Ephesians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 3, James chapter 1, James chapter 4, 1 Peter 5, he brings it back around. And so you see that there is a level of, of humility that is uh, that, that brings it right home. And you can't have humility if you don't have compassion. You can't have compassion or humility if brotherly love's not there. You'll never be sympathetic to your um, to your fellow believer um, if you don't have brotherly love and the harmony that you seek will never be there because you don't have sympathy or compassion or mercy or humility. And so you can see all these things just dovetail right in into a complete view of what Christian life should be. So that being said, um, Paul is laying down, or Peter is laying down what he feels is necessary uh, for us to live a harmonious life within the community of the church. Um, and again, I do think it's important for you to read the first uh, few verses. And, I, and, and husbands and wives, I encourage you to read it together and talk about it. Um, talk about what it means and how you can use those principles in your marriage and in your life outside of your marriage um, in the larger community. Now, the final thing I want to talk about is uh, verses 10 through 12. Um, Peter is citing um, Psalms chapter 34, verses 12 through 16. Um, there is a little difference in the way that Peter does this, and, and um, uh, for whatever reason, Peter alters the text from a third-person singular to, or second-person singular to a third-person singular. Um, not really sure why he did that. It may have been intentional. It could be that he was reciting it from memory. Um, Either way, we know that this, the scripture is inspired by uh, the Holy Spirit, and so uh, it's it's you know it's 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 meant to be this way, um, and it's an imperative, and it's um, the note that you're looking at in Psalm 34 is that it really focuses on the suffering, um, on suffering and the Lord's uh, deliverance, um, which is very apt to what uh, to the audience that Peter is writing to, um, because they were already dealing with persecutions on a minor level. And um, Peter was basically saying, look, you know, you're, you're dealing with suffering in a little way, um, and it's going to get a whole lot worse before it gets any better. And he just really wants them to see that, that, that the, um, 
that suffering is part of our Christian walk. It was part of the life of Christ. It was part of the death of Christ. And it will be, the, it will be part of the life of a Christian, and it will be part of the death of a Christian as well. Um, as, we, um, as all of us leave this earth, um, in many ways too soon, uh, because the work is not done. And it doesn't matter whether you've lived 9 or 99 years. Um, if you are a saved, born-again believer, um, until Jesus comes back, there are going to be people that are going to be lost. And you can spend your entire life trying to witness to them and share the gospel, um, and you're still going to pass on into glory with the work undone. And that's the nature of it. Um, but Peter wants uh, wants us to know that. Now, I do have some st- some discussion questions that I'll put in the comment sections in both the YouTube and the Facebook post, um, and I encourage you to look at those and uh, and discuss them around uh, the table uh, with your family and any small groups of friends that you might be with as you're studying this. Um, and I do encourage you to continue to study the entire section, which would be uh, verses 1 all the way down through verse 12. I gave you a sort of a, a larger synopsis than I wanted to, and it means the video will be a little bit longer than I had planned. Um, but I do expect that you'll have some really good discussions um, as you look at how um, God wants you to apply these passages to your life and to your ministry. Uh, thank you again for joining us uh, for another episode of the Armchair Theologian. And I hope that you um, uh, use some of the things we talked about tonight uh, in your uh, in your daily lives. Again, we thank you, and we're very, very appreciative of you being here. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to let you guys go. Father, I ask that everybody that sees this video, that uh, spends the time studying your word, will come away changed, changed in their heart, changed in their soul, and changed in their daily lives as they seek to act, act out Um, in front of the world, in front of their spouses, in front of their families, uh, what it means to be a Christian, not just to be a Christian in word only, but in deed as well. We love you, we thank you, and we ask all these things in the name of your Son and our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll see you soon. Have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. (laughs) 